With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody, welcome back inside the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 91, coming to you live this week. It's opening day of baseball, opening weekend of the baseball season, which does uh, kind of seem to indicate the beginning of summer, the beginning of warmer temperatures. It's a, it's a great time of the year. Vansy, how you doing tonight, man? Oh, pretty good. Uh, you know, we're, I think, above 40 degrees here, so it does feel uh, somewhat warmer. And, uh, you know, today, this morning, I woke up and I renewed uh, my EMU football season ticket, so I got the day started off right. Uh you know, and um, spring game next week. So right now, you know, you just kind of have some of every sport, it seems, almost going on. Um, you know, like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, for sure. That's 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 a great way to start a, a Thursday morning, renewing those season tickets uh, for, uh, for, uh, for the factory up there in Ypsilanti. That's awesome. And um, yeah, you're right. I mean, we got some spring football going on right now. We're going to do some uh, football talk here at the end of the episode here tonight. We'll do some spring game breakdowns here uh, in the coming weeks as well as, as max squads have their inter-squad scrimmages to uh, finish out spring practice. But uh, before we get to any football talk here, Vansy, let's uh, we got it was a busy week in the news cycle for Mac basketball. Quite a lot to get to here. Let's uh, let's start on the men's side of things, Vansy, and uh, the 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 highlight of the week, the headline of the week in the Mac Western Michigan got their guy. They went out and hired new men's basketball coach, longtime Michigan State assistant Dwayne Stevens. Stevens was uh, has been a, a assistant under um, uh, Tom Izzo there in in uh, East Lansing for the last 19 seasons. The last 10 of those, he was associate head coach. He's been endorsed uh, by Izzo for a number of, of jobs that have opened across the Midwest here over the past couple of years. Bansy, especially, you know, in the Mac, I remember him being in the conversation for Eastern Michigan last year, uh, for Central Michigan. Uh, he seems to, his name seems to have been coming up a lot uh, with, with, you know, in the Mac and in, in conferences such as the Mac. And it seems like uh, uh, this on the paper, at least is a very good hire for Western Michigan. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you won't find anyone who has anything bad to say about Dwayne Stevens. Uh, it was something where, you know, it, it, for years it seemed as if he was ready, but the concern had been from Izzo and, and some others. Cause you look at Mark Montgomery, who was in the Mac at Northern Illinois, another Izzo assistant, and it didn't work out. So he really pushed for, uh, Stevens to be somewhat selective in which job he took. Um, Izzo really went to bat for Stevens uh, the last hiring cycle, um, you know, with uh, Eastern Michigan and, and with the Central Michigan jobs, and they went different routes. Um, it seemed like a matter of time if he still wanted it. Um, you know, a, a very, uh, you know, outgoing guy, a tremendous recruiter at Michigan State. Um, and there's a, a podcast that I, I will listen to sometimes out of uh, East Lansing. And, um, you know, just he COVID hit the Stevens family very hard. Um, he lost his father to COVID. 
Um, so, you know, so somewhat very emotional. I think he got a little teary eyed during the press conference discussing that. Um, he, you know, seems like a great hire. It's going to be very tough, I think, for him um, to turn around that program. Um, you know, it's, it's a sense of apathy right now. Um, the facilities are a little bit behind. Um, he got a six-year deal, by the way. I mean, yeah. six years. I mean, I, whew, I I don't know if we're going to be doing this in six years. I mean, it's hard to really you know think of anything six years in the future. So yeah. uh, I think that kind of shows, one, how committed Western Michigan is to him. But also, two, he probably demanded that sense of security. Um, it's So it's going to be a tough job, I think, there. Um, they've been good before. I think, you know, I don't think you can do much better than uh, that hire. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting. You you mentioned him being a, a strong recruiter. That, that was one thing as I was reading the, the, the press release here. That was one thing that really stood out to me. I mean, this was a guy who was the lead recruiter at Michigan State for guys like Draymond Green and Miles Bridges and Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, those are some serious names there that he recruited to East Lansing. Now, obviously, part of, of the allure there is that it's East Lansing. It's Michigan State. It's the Big Ten. So will he be able to recruit? Uh, that, you know, competitively in the Mac for players at the Mac level, I think certainly he's proven to be a good recruiter. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it's kind of there, there's a lot of apathy around this program right now. I, I can't remember the exact number you threw out a couple of weeks. We were talking about this, but it was something about uh, the men's basketball team that, you know, the amount of season tickets they had sold it. It was something in like, it was like only, it was like, what is, what was it? A couple hundred or something? Yeah. I think it was like 230 uh, season yeah. tickets was the report. And uh, there was something at the press conference uh, in the Western Michigan did a great job, sent a private jet to East Lansing to get him. I mean, that's a easy drive. You know, you can, you could easily make that, but Hey, get the private jet. And uh, they, they, they really did it up with the pomp and circumstances. And, you know, it was very cool, except he had to hold up their hideous gray uniform, but I'll just kind of let that go. Um, but Tom Izzo at one point, uh, you know, made, said, Hey, I want to buy a season ticket, you know? So uh, Tom Izzo throwing the support behind his guy. I'm telling you, you know, I would not be surprised if when the schedules come out, you have, and it won't, they, they won't come out for some time, but you have either a Michigan state hosting Western Michigan or Tom Izzo doing his buddy a favor, yeah. trying to bump up those season tickets and have the Spartans go on the road into Kalamazoo, uh, I could definitely see that happening. Now, that would be something I would love to see, seeing Tom Izzo and, and the Spartans go into Kalamazoo. That would be that would be appointment television for me, uh, for sure. So, yeah, we'll see. Best of luck to Coach Stevens as he gets started. Um, he, um, you know, they got quite a, quite a rebuild to go uh, there in, in Western, in uh, Kalamazoo there. Uh, has been a couple of rough seasons for the Broncos under Clayton Basie's last few years. So we'll see if uh, Coach Stevens is able to get them back up to the top of the conference where they were back in the early 2010s uh, under Steve Hawkins. Uh, Vansy, the rest of the news here tonight in uh, in basketball, a lot of it is is unfortunate news out of the transfer portal here. It's, it seems like every week we are talking about this where uh, guys from the MAC are, you know, exploring greener pastures and want to go and take their talents elsewhere. One of the best players in the MAC these last couple of years, uh, uh, Mark Sears out of Ohio, 
Last year was, uh, you know, saw playing time whenever Jason Preston went down with injury. This year really kind of came into his own uh, for the Bobcats. He was the Bobcats' leading scorer, one of the best players in the MAC. And Vanzi, he announced today he's not only he didn't just put his name in the transfer portal. He had it in there for a couple of days and he's transferring home. He's going to Alabama, committed to the Crimson Tide this afternoon, former MAC, uh, former Buffalo head coach, Nate Oates uh, down there and clearly uh, still keeps up with his former league. Uh, Vanzi, you know, you, you hate to see a guy like Sears go. We've talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks. It seems like a guy like this who, you know, he has kind of a breakout season and he wants to test the waters and see if he can compete uh, in a power five conference. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, uh, first team all Mac this past year, 19.7 points, 4.1 assists, over 40% from three point land. And, uh, you know, born and raised in Alabama. So he's, he's going closer to home. Vanzi, I can't blame him for that, but it's still, you, you hate to see this for, for the Mac and for Ohio specifically. Well, real quick, I don't get the chance to share this Nate Oates story too often, but Nate Oates was a coach at Romulus High School here in Michigan. Um, early on, kind of the midway point of the Rob Murphy tenure, they kind of turned over the coaching staff at Eastern Michigan. They looked, and I believe they actually interviewed Nate Oates for a position on the staff. They went a different direction. Nate Oates went to Buffalo, ends up quickly becoming the head coach. The rest is history. Kind of wonder how that could have played out. But yeah, it's, it's hard for any player. I mean, one, I mean, I'm surprised. I am surprised how quickly it came together. Uh, you know, you kind of wonder about maybe some back channel, you know, communication. But I think with a player like Sears from Alabama, I think he knew that that was the offer he wanted and that if he got an offer from Alabama that he was going to take it. Um, but tremendous player. You look at some of the talent that Alabama has produced. Um, you know, at the basketball ranks here recently, they're a competitive program. They're, you know, they look like they're going to stick around. And um, it's hard to fault uh, a player like Mike Sears for move or Mark Sears, excuse me, for moving up a level and getting the chance to play in the SEC and, in uh, you know, in March Madness and all that. Um, you know, and, and you look at uh, Jason Preston and, and what he, did, he went on to the NBA. Uh, I thought Sears has that potential, um, but now they'll just come in the uh, the Crimson Tide uniform. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, Alabama with a, a little bit of a down season this year, but we're in the tournament last year and have, have been uh, very good under uh, Nate Oates these past couple of seasons. So uh, best of luck to Mark Sears as he continues his career uh, down there in the SEC. You know, we'll all be pulling for him next year as he uh, goes up against those power five uh, squads. Let's move uh, just a little bit northwest of uh, Athens, Vanzi, up to Toledo. This is one. This one's a little bit different. This one, not necessarily the transfer portal, but something else that we've speculated could happen here, Vanzi, and it has. And that's Ryan Rollins, uh, the all all MAC performer this year, the true sophomore for Toledo. He is going to the NBA draft. He did hire an agent. Now, the the rule is not the same as it used to be. Anyone who used to follow or or you know has followed the NBA remembers that rule where if you hire an agent, there's no going back. You're in the draft. Now that that rule has changed over the last couple of seasons where um, now, you know, you can hire an agent, you can go through the process, you can explore, uh, get feedback from teams. And if you don't like what you hear, you can still go back to school. So he still does have that option to, um, to return to school. However, you know, it's, I, I was actually a little bit surprised here, Vanzi, you know, I was looking at some different mock drafts uh, earlier today. There were some that have him as high as the middle of the first round. That seems like a little bit of a stretch to me. I, I could definitely see him as a second round guy. I mean, this is a guy, um, you know, 
the he has the frame, he has the uh the the size, he has the skill. 6'4, 180, he can definitely put some more size on, put some more muscle on there. His frame would support it. But I mean, average 19 points a game this year, 47% from the field, six rebounds, 3.6 assists. He can do it all, Vanzi. I, I could see him as a second round guy. I'll be curious. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like he probably has his, his mindset on the draft right now. We'll see if he ends up coming back. What do you think? I, I think I think he's a first round guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, following the draft cycle. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. So like the draft lotto and all that, that is our season at this point. You know, we got Cade Cunningham. Who's going to go with Cade Cunningham? So I've followed it pretty heavily. And uh, Ryan Rollins, a lot of the draft heads, you know, the John Hollingers, you know, the guys from ESPN, some of those other guys have been on him quite a bit this season. And they've made the trip to Savage to see him in person. Um, I think he's a first round guy. And when I was reading his quotes, what's interesting is he seems very open to coming back to Toledo if he's not a high pick, uh, which somewhat surprises me because my thought would be if he says, hey, I'm not an NBA guy this year, that he would use that one transfer uh, and, and potentially transfer up. But if you're a Mac basketball fan, I don't think you should buy stock in seeing Ryan Rollins next year. I think he's probably going to the NBA. Um, you know, I, I think he's good enough. I, I think he, he has a great shot to be the highest drafted Mac player. Um, what probably since Chris Kamen would be my guess. Yeah. Chris Kamen was a first round guy. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, he would probably. That's it. That's actually a great trivia question there, Vanzi. And uh, we might have to look that up and tweet that out later. But you're right, because uh, it's been quite some time. Uh, I do think, though, I think you nailed that. Chris came in. That would have probably been, what, 2007, 2006, somewhere in that ballpark. So, yeah, it's been quite a while. Ryan Rollins has a chance uh, to be that guy for sure. So we'll see. Uh, as, as you said, Vanzi, you know, there were some quotes indicating that he's open to coming back to Toledo if he doesn't like the feedback he hears. So we'll see how these next couple of weeks go for him. And as he, you know, this process progresses towards the draft in June, we'll see if Rollins uh, ends up keeping his name in the draft or deciding to come back. Uh, for another year uh, with the Rockets. Another Mac guy that has uh, enter, er, announced his intention to uh, enter the draft is uh, Lamar Norman Jr. from Western Michigan, the former Duquesne transfer, and uh, who, who led the, the Mac in scoring this year, uh, announced the other day on Twitter uh, that he is going to test the waters of the draft. He did, uh, he was very clear that, you know, he's left open the possibility for a return to, uh, to Western Michigan. But, I mean, he started 29 games this year for Western Michigan. The Broncos, tough year, 8-23 and 23 overall. But, again, led the MAC in scoring 19.8 points per game, almost 38% from three-point land, 80% from the line, 44.5% overall from the field. I mean, this is a guy, Vanzi, you know, I, I wonder – because of his size, uh, you know, I wonder about his viability at the next level. But, I mean, the guy can score. He can get you a bucket whenever you need it. I'll be curious to see what kind of feedback he gets. But I feel like, to me, I would be much more inclined to think that Lamar Norman will be back next year over Ryan Rollins. Yeah, um, you know, the, well, the thing for me would be maybe if he says, hey, you know what, I'd rather play overseas than, yeah. than come back. Um, he declared before Dwayne Stevens was a thing in Kalamazoo. So maybe that influences him. Look, if you're, if you're a player and Eastern went through this several years ago, Elijah, Minnie, Paul Jackson, uh, James Thompson, the third, 
they all declared and and they all came back. It was somewhat of a similar situation. It doesn't hurt anything to declare, uh, to maybe talk to some teams, maybe get a workout or two, or, or just kind of talk to these teams and have these teams tell you, hey, you know what, you're good, or you're not this good or, or whatever. Uh, you know, very talented player, but I think there's what, I mean, 300 Division One programs, yeah. and each one of those has the leading score. You know, yeah. so it's, you know, I mean, it, it sounds harsh um, to even play at the college level. You're a much better athlete than I am or ever was or ever will be. Um, and you're better than, you know, so much of the general population. And they even declare, I mean, I could sit here today and say myself that I declare for the NBA draft and it wouldn't, you know, nobody would care. Um, so it's, it's, it's to even be in that position to go through the process. It's very uh, honoring for some of these guys, but Mac level basketball players, most of them are likely coming back, are going to transfer up a level. Now, also keep in mind, he did use his one transfer already. Yeah. So he, yeah. if another transfer and he has to sit out. So him returning to Kalamazoo is probably much better than, uh, you know, some, some other players. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And uh, yeah, he, he'll have one, uh, he does have one year of eligibility left. Uh, he's a local guy there to uh, Kalamazoo as well. Uh, 2018 Wyoming Godwin Heights graduate. Uh, so transferred back to uh, Western Michigan to be a little bit closer to home. So we'll see if he opts to, to use his uh, last year of eligibility and, uh, and come back uh, under, under Dwayne Stevens. Uh, last, uh, last men's basketball story here, Vanzi, a little bit on the other side of the fence. Uh, some, some good news actually from the transfer portal. Uh, Mac freshman of the year, Peyton Sparks, he had entered his name in the transfer portal. Uh, a couple of weeks back after James Whitford was let go. However, he announced the other day after the, uh, you know, after uh, Michael Lewis announced was announced as the head coach at ball state, Peyton Sparks has announced that he will be returning uh, to Muncie next year. So uh, ball state, all of a sudden Vanzi in a very good position next year. I mean, they have Peyton Sparks back. And I mean, they have, uh, you know, Bashir Jihad back. They have Jalen Sellers back, all these guys, um, coming back, all these young players, they have as much young talent as just about any team in the Mac here, Vanzi. I'm not sitting here saying that Ball State's going to win the Mac next year, but I mean, you get Matt, you get Peyton Sparks back. That's a really positive indication that Michael Lewis is having a good uh, initial effect on the program. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it kind of tells you something about the hiring. Yeah. You know, they, they yeah. make this hiring and you have guys, a lot of schools make a hire and people are running for the transfer portal saying, bye, I'll see you, you know, been nice knowing you, you know, and, and these are our student athletes in Muncie, Indiana, who are saying, Hey, you know what? I'm electing to stay here. You know, I mean, that's, that says something, um, you know, those are our talented players. Um, it puts ball state in contention. Um, what really, if I'm a ball state fan, uh, what really would get me going is that they have heard of the new coach hire. They have apparently talked to him and they're like, we're in, let's go. Yep. So what does that mean for them moving forward this off season when he actually starts kind of molding that roster into his own form uh, and dives into the transfer portal, dives into the recruiting, you know, if this is the vibe that he's putting off ball state could bring in some even more talented players. Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. It's a very, very good 
early positive indicator for Ball State under Michael Lewis that uh, the, the current roster is, is responding to him the way that they are. And you talk about the effect just on the court here uh, moving forward for Ball State, uh, Vanzi. I mean, you just look at Sparks' numbers from last year. This guy was freshman of the year in the conference for a reason. 13 and a half points per game, eight and a half rebounds a game, shooting 53% from the field. I mean, Vanzi, how many, how many college freshmen, true freshmen, do you know, can you remember in division one basketball that could come in, step it on to a college campus in their first season, 12 months after playing high school basketball, and they step on into a division one basketball court and grab eight and a half rebounds a game. I mean, that is really impressive stuff from Pey- Peyton Sparks. I feel like this is a really foundational piece for Ball State moving forward. Yeah, and I think when you look at somebody like a Peyton Sparks, you know, I, I wouldn't bet on it being two, three years, I think, because if he has another year, he's going to be a guy that you start talking about the NBA for him. He had a tremendous freshman season, should have got more love nationally. I know the Mac, as far as big guys, was down, but that stat line says all that you want. Um, He might be, I mean, you know, you talk about freshman of the year, where you start talking about next year, the potential's there that he could be the player of the year. You know, as guys, guys, I'm not even going to say that word, as guys move out of the, uh, out of the conference. You know, and then you got guys, you know, potentially going pro, Ryan Rounds, things like that. I mean, that might be the best player, and to have the best player in a conference be a big uh, is very interesting and, uh, you know, very cool to see. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how the the Cardinals look next. Come next season, obviously, a lot of time between now and then, a lot can change in the next six months. But certainly, things seem to be pointing upward, or at least indications are all positive uh, early in the uh, the Michael Lewis regime at Ball State. Last thing here uh, before we move into some other sports. Last uh, men's hoops uh, story of the night. Kind of put a book on that. Close close a book on the season here. The uh, the podcast, the the uh, bandwagon bracket challenge. Uh, we did want to give a quick shout out here to our guy Brigadier Bronco. His uh, his entry, the Brigadier Bracket Buster, did end up not only Bansy. This is super impressive. Not only did he win our our bracket challenge, he placed in the ninety nine point six percentile of all brackets on ESPN.com. Uh, had Kansas winning it all. So that certainly helped them. Shout out to Brigadier. Uh, we were talking before the show, Vanzi. He got an awesome account there on Twitter. Everyone here should should follow him if they don't already. Yeah, he does a lot of videos. Um, you know, I mean, he wears like a, like a helmet, you know, like a, like yeah. an army surplus style helmet. Does a lot <laughs> yeah. of, you know, does a lot of videos, edits his stuff and, and does really a great dra- job. Um, I would say his, his account in uh, Drunk Buster. Yeah, you know, those, yeah. Are, those are the two Western Michigan accounts that I go to. And every time I see a, a drunk buster post, I just think of the great college game day sign they had up in Kalamazoo when college game day came. And it said ESPN is here, act sober. And the, the ESPN was disheveled. I mean, I will never forget <laughs> that, um, you know, so congrats to brigadier on winning the the tournament uh the bracket challenge um acted sober good for him uh, <laughs> and uh yeah congratulations and uh you know uh that that's a big win for uh for a western michigan guy i mean the you know you don't the tim lester error and the, the clayton bates error you don't get to see too many bronco wins so good for them I love it. I love that you got to get a little jab in there. I love that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing EMU right if you didn't get it in there. I, I, I can appreciate that, but yeah, no, seriously. Uh, 
congrats, Brigadier, our guy. Go follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Don't already. Uh, the Brigadier Bronco. Uh, so congrats to him for beating out all other uh, 44 entries in our uh, our bracket challenge this year. Vanzi, let's move into women's hoops here. A couple uh, a couple quick uh, stories here. We talked last week about Felicia Legette Jack getting named the next head coach at uh, at Syracuse after 10 years at Buffalo. Well, in the in the last week, Buffalo has gone out and found her replacement. They went and hired Becky Burke to be the next uh, next women's head basketball coach at Buffalo. They hire her from USC Upstate, where she was the the Big South Coach of the Year uh, in, here in uh, in 2022. Prior to that, she was a, a Division II head coach at University of Charleston in West Virginia. And um, so this is a, I mean, she's had success everywhere she's been, Vanzi. I feel like in the MAC, you know, it feels like there's two types of coaching hires in the MAC where it's either like a veteran head coach who's coming off of a bigger job or a young up and coming head coach who has a lot of potential. And this is, this is a big step in their career, a big opportunity for them. It feels like Becky Burke falls into that category where she's a young head coach. She's had success everywhere she's been. And this is a nice step up for her up into a very competitive league. I'd be curious to see how she's, uh, you know, what she's able to do with this, this program uh, over the next couple of years, a program that's, you know, all things considered in pretty good shape. Yeah, you know, they're taking all. I, what, what's interesting is I'm surprised that they didn't have an assistant to promote from within. Um, yeah. But reading up, uh, I mean, I don't know much about the coaching cycle and in, in women's basketball, but Becky Burke definitely seems um, very talented. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't sound like she's going to have the Ash affair uh, yeah. with her in the in the transfer portal. I still, I think she's going probably to Syracuse, but uh, that would be my guess. But um, you know, so it's going to be a little bit of a transition period for uh, Becky Burke there um, coming in and, and for that whole program. But it definitely seems like reading up on it, it seems like a talented hire, um, you know, and it, it seems like that came together pretty quick. So it seems like Buffalo was very, you know, enamored and said, hey, this is our, our person. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were it was, you know. We talked a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the men's basketball vacancies, and it really just seemed like Western Michigan was just really taking their time. I mean, it took them, you know, three weeks to hire Dwayne Stevens. This was the, the opposite of that, where last week we were talking about Felicia Legette Jack leaving. This week we're talking about them hiring her replacement. So Buffalo, it did seem like they moved really fast here. They were decisive about this. Like, you know, you think that, uh, you know, she must have really knocked it out of the park in the interview process. So best of luck to Becky Burke. Uh, she has big shoes to feel, fill there at, uh, at Buffalo, where uh, Felicia Legette Jack just left as the all-time uh, leader in, in victories for the program, having led the Bulls for the last 10 seasons. But Vanzi, you know, I, I, as soon as I said the program's in pretty good shape, I, I kind of, I, I kind of wish I wouldn't have said that because I don't think, I don't know how accurate that is right now. You mentioned Dash Affair going into the transfer portal. Well, two other uh, Bulls players from this past season, not only have they entered into the transfer portal, but they um, had have committed to Syracuse and are following Felicia Legit Jack to Syracuse. Uh, Sonia Wilson and, uh, and Georgia Woolley. Wilson, uh, Played in 14 games last year, 3.6 points, 4.4 rebounds, 56% from the field. So more, more of a depth, you know, role player there. However, Georgia Woolley was the Mac freshman of the year last year. She's from Australia, 14.6 points per game, 4.6 rebounds per game, 42% from the floor. She had 12 20-point games over the course of the season. Uh, Vanzi, you mentioned Dash Affair. 
you mentioned, you know, you got these two, uh, Wilson and Woolley transferring to Syracuse already. There does seem to be a little bit of an exodus coming there in Buffalo. So now that we're looking at this, it does seem like, you know, Becky Burke's going to have a lot of scholarships to work with here to kind of build this program up in her own image. Yeah, and what was kind of interesting to me is I was kind of thinking about it, and, you know, okay, they're going to Syracuse, these two uh, freshman transfers, not Dash Affair, but she might as well. So, you know, you look at that, and I'm like, man, you know, this seems familiar. Where where does this seem familiar? And I was like, oh, when Coach Leopold went from Buffalo to Kansas. Yeah. And basically took, you know, I mean, most of the starters with him. So, and then also, I think they just had to have another football transfer coming up too. So, you know, the transfers have hit Buffalo athletics, not just basketball, but has hit Buffalo athletics pretty hard, even on the men's side. So that's kind of uh, interesting to see. I got to give a shout out though, to uh, the athletic department there to the higher video at Buffalo. They just seem to be apparently just keep making, you know, Nate Oates, uh, the football coach who moved on, Fiesta Legit Jack now, you know, you just kind of look at those hirings and yeah, you have a lot of turnover, but if you were hiring bad coaches, you know, like the, like Michael Scott's of the coaching world, um, <laughs> yeah you wouldn't see other schools, bigger schools come in and make these types of hires. Yeah. It stinks that you have players transferring out and you got to kind of hit the reset button. But I, I think that's, you know, something that that athletic department should be proud of. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. They, they do hire very well. They hire very well. And uh, yeah, their fact that their coaches keep getting hired away are definitely a, a positive indicator of that. And um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens here over the next uh, couple of months with Buffalo's women's hoops. See, uh, you know, who uh, Becky Burke is able to bring in to fill some of these open uh, scholarships that they suddenly have. And uh, like we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, fans, either transfer portal right now, making it really hard for mid-majors to, to hang on to their their best players. And that's, you know, men's hoops, women's hoops, football too. It's really kind of been an unintended consequence, I think of the portal. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that uh, here along with, uh, you know, all those uh, men's basketball stories as well. We'll keep an eye on those here over the next couple of weeks and see how things play out in terms of the, the draft, the transfer portal, all that good stuff. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fancy, let's move into bas- or to baseball here a little bit. Excuse me. Another busy weekend in the MAC uh, on the diamond. Eastern Michigan took two out of three from Western Michigan. I think uh, in, the, in the series of the weekend, Ball State took three of four from Toledo. Bowling Green uh, got off the mat a little bit, took three of four from Akron. Miami took two out of three from NIU. 
Uh, Kent State, the lone max squad in the out-of-conference action this weekend, they lost uh, two or three at home to UConn, who's ranked in the top 25. And then Central Michigan with a four-game sweep over Ohio. Uh, the Bobcats uh, in a little bit of a free fall right now. And the Central Michigan, on the other hand, I mean, they've won four in a row. They're nine and one in the conference now. Banzi, what did you think? Anything that kind of caught your attention this weekend on, on the diamond? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I Kent State over UConn, that was a game that we had, well, not a game, but a series that we had mentioned, you know, UConn being ranked. So that was a big win uh, for Kent State. Again, you're looking, you know, when you look at these max standings, it's definitely Central Michigan and Ball State. Uh, one and two, Central Michigan, nine and one in the conference, Ball State, 12 and two, um, you know, in the conference overall, 14 and 10, 17 and nine. Um, and then you really have kind of a drop off, but, uh, you know, so you go for those two schools then you have Eastern Michigan, six and six, Kent state five and five, everybody else has a losing record in the conference. So, you know, that's kind of, kind of interesting. Um, but also you see Eastern and Kent state have played less games as well compared to some of these other uh, Mac schools in conference. So I think that's kind of interesting. The, that makes it just kind of a, a interesting kind of note when you're looking up and down the standings for me, but I think central Michigan is playing like the team. So many people expected to be at the start of the season. Um, they look like the max best team. Uh, it feels like every week they have another pitcher who's just coming up and doing a good job. Uh, this week, Jacob Jones, uh, a senior from, uh, I believe, Illinois, um, he had two victories in relief, you know, and, and they just they just keep having uh, guys step up on that pitching staff. And when you have a pitching staff like that, you're going to be dangerous any time out. Yeah. Fancy, I wanted to get your opinion here. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just curious. And I know you, you've been following Mac baseball a lot longer than I have been. It seems uh, to me Toledo right now. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on the Rockets. They seem very up and down. They had that really nice win over uh, Ohio State a couple weeks ago. They lose two out of three to Ball State over this past weekend. What do you think has been the, the, the struggle with the, for the Rockets thus far at this point? They're currently sitting at six and nine in the conference, 12 and 15 overall. Yeah, well, that 12 and 15, I mean, you know, when you look at some of the Mac schools and you look at what that schedule has been for the Rockets, it's not bad. Um, they do have some high end talent, but a lot of their talent is at the freshman level. Um, you know, I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like they have a freshman team, but they, you know, they're still a very young team. Um, but when you look at it, yeah, you know, they lost two, lost three to Akron at one point. They, they lost two to Western Michigan, you know, I mean, and then ball state. So they're kind of racking up the losses right now. I mean, they have, you know, yeah, just uh, some real tough results for them right now. And I, it could just be, you know, we got a little high on them when things are good. And now that it's not they're they're maybe just the middle of the conference team, you yeah. know, and, and I talk about how are the overall records could be better in conference. And you look at, you know, especially when you look at the, the non-conference records thrown in there, the conference as a whole does not look good, but there is tremendous parity. Uh, you know, you start looking at it. I mean, you have a three game series, a four game series, you rattle off some wins, you know, Toledo could be, you know, I mean, they're six and nine, six wins is would you know the same as third place eastern michigan the only difference is they have three more losses so the schedule plays some role in that you know you're trying to see what you got 
um, you know, and, and, and all that. Uh, and it just doesn't line up apples to apples, but it could just be that this is a team that's just kind of in that just mosh pit. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I was in one of those once it was scary. <laughs> like it, yeah. it was not, not my usual country show. I don't know how I ended up there, but, um, but yeah, so it could just be that they're in just kind of in that pack where they're battling it out. I just have a mental picture in my head right now of you at a Slipknot show in a, in a mosh pit or something. But um, but no, you know, it's it's funny. Like we we talked about this a lot in the basketball season where it felt like there was like a huge traffic jam in the middle of the standings. And it seems almost in baseball, it seems like it might even be more pronounced here in baseball where it's like Central Michigan and Ball State at the top of the pack and then everybody else. Like there's not a ton separating some of these other teams uh, Bowling Green, even, you know, they, they had been struggling, but they, you know, they won three out of four, uh, against Akron this past weekend, they've kind of gotten, that's kind of brought them back up from the bottom a little bit. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to be keeping my eye on here over the next, uh, next couple of weeks is how do teams three through 11 kind of separate themselves and who's going to rise up. I, I still think, you know, I still have a lot of confidence that Kent state's going to hit their stride and is going to end up there in the top three or four before the end of the season. I, I also feel like you know, Toledo might have, I think they have the talent to do it too. So it'll be interesting to see. Vanzi, let's take a look. What did you think about some of the performances of the week from an individual standpoint here uh, in, in Mac baseball this week? Well, and, and then uh, one thing I did want to touch on, I mean, how about Akron too? They're right in that yeah. mix as well, as far as a team and, you know, their first full season back, um, you know, but yeah, I, I think Kent State and Miami, uh, you know, if, if, I, if my opinion matters, I think they're probably the third or fourth best teams in a Mac, no offense to Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, don't tell them I said that, <laughs> but yeah, as far as individual performances, I mean, the, the central Michigan pitching staff just commit continues to be outstanding. Um, just kind of looking at the Mac prior the weeks, you know, anytime you have a catcher who can put up big numbers, that's big. Um, and Kyle Gurney, uh, he's got a 13 game hit streak and he scored in 10 straight games. Yeah. You know, so he was the player of the week. Um, just to, when you're a catcher and you can hit like that, uh, a junior, so you start talking potentially an MLB draft guy. Um, they really, I mean, you know, like when you look at that game they had against Michigan State, that Bowling Green team got after it. Um, and then they they took three of four from a good Akron team. So, you know, that's a team that I don't think you can, can write off. Um, you know, I mean, they may not win the conference. They may not do a lot of things but they are going to make it tough on you. And, yeah. and Kyle Green is a big part of that. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's it's that that Bowling Green win at Michigan State, uh, one of the most surprising uh, and pleasantly surprising wins of, of the season for the MAC this year, if not the most. Yeah, and you mentioned the Central Michigan chip, uh, pitching staff. Yeah, one hit, struck out eight in uh, four and two-thirds innings of work. Uh, so a really nice uh, pitching, uh, really nice outing over the weekend, really nice series for Jake Jones. Really, um, you know, you, you've talked a lot, Vanzi, in previous episodes about the Central Michigan pitching staff and how dominant they can be. And I think Jake Jones uh, this weekend, you know, out of the bullpen, he's not one of those starters that are going to overpower somebody. But if you're going to have a success, successful pitching staff and a successful team, then guys like that having depth in the bullpen, that's imperative uh, whenever, you know, your starters aren't going to have their A stuff every game, right? There's going to be, uh, you know, games where you're going to have to bail them out. I think that's where a guy like Jake Jones can really come in handy. 
Yeah, and just kind of the way it works, you know, with like the long series, and then especially when you get some some weather mixed in. Um, you know, the Mac right now, very solid, not just Central Michigan, but very solid with pitchers all the way together. You know, uh, uh, Jonathan Brand at Miami, Zach Maxey at Miami, you know, Andrew Taylor, you know, P- Patty at at, at uh, Central Michigan. They got a lot of guys, Kyle Jones at Toledo, who we've talked about on here. You know, the Mac has a lot of arms. And, uh, you know, I think no better showcase than that of Central Michigan um, with what all they have going on. And then that pitching staff, you know, it's when you have a four game series against Ball State or whoever. OK, cool. That's great. You know, you may have to be relied on to come in, but what really should get Central fans excited is if they can make the NCAA tournament and, you know, you have a Jordan Patty start. Well, hey, you know, he gets tired. He has a rare off game. You have a Jared Jones you can go to. That makes Central Michigan a very dangerous team. Definitely does. Definitely does. The Chippewas back in action this weekend, coming off that sweep of Ohio. They'll be taking on Northern Illinois at home in Mount Pleasant this weekend. Uh, Also also on the MAC baseball slate this weekend, we got Eastern Michigan traveling down to Oxford to take on Miami. Western Michigan traveling to Akron. Toledo going down to Athens to take on the Bobcats. Uh, Bowling Green traveling across the state to Kent State and Ball State in a non-conference series. They're heading out to the West Coast. They're going to take on the Ducks out there in Eugene. Uh, Ball State taking on Oregon. Vansy, that's an interesting non-conference matchup. I'll be curious to see how Ball State handles themselves against a Pac-12 team. Yeah, and, and that's actually a pretty cool uh, ballpark out there. They use it for uh, minor league baseball as well, the short season ball team. So uh, that, that'll be a neat uh, little travel trip out there. Um, Oregon, for the longest time, actually did not have college baseball. They brought it back, I believe, the late 2000 and, uh, like 2009, 2011, around that frame. And uh, they, they've done it right. Um, they're, they're trending down like they were up pretty high. Now they're trending down. Um, not quite on Oregon State's level out there, but uh, yeah, that'll be a, a big test um, for Ball State. Wouldn't surprise me if Ball State won two or three games out of that series, um, just because Ball State is such a tremendously talented team. Yeah, certainly. That's definitely the series I'll have highlighted this weekend that I'll be following. So we'll see how uh, the Cardinals are able to fare out west uh, on the west coast up there in Eugene. Vansy, let's close out the show here with some football talk here. It's been a while since we talked any football. Unfortunately, uh, I hate, I feel like the, the, the common theme of these last couple episodes has been talking about transfers and the transfer portal. We're going to talk a little bit about it here in football as well. Dylan McDuffie, the running back out of Buffalo, thousand yard rusher this past season, really kind of took over uh, for, for uh, Kevin Marks who got hurt throughout the year. James Patterson obviously left last after last season. McDuffie was the guy this year uh, for Coach Mo Linguist in his, you know, his first year up there uh, as head coach at Buffalo. 1,049 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5.1 yards per carry, sixth among all MAC players in rushing. Uh, Vansy, this is, I mean, this is a tough blow for, for Buffalo. I mean, this is a team with such a, a run first identity on offense that they kind of, they, they thrive on having at least one, if not two strong backs. You also had Kyle Van Treese, the, the last year's starting quarterback. He transferred last a couple months back. He's got down at Georgia Southern now. All of a sudden, there's a lot of question marks on this Buffalo team. Yeah, and I, you're going to have that when you go from one coaching staff to the other. And, uh, you know, I mean, you think about Kevin Marks, you know, and, and he was transferring out, then he wasn't. And, you know, he played the year at Buffalo and all that. 
you know, so they're very used to transfers and they're very used to running back transfers. Um, you know, I don't know the situation, but if you're a guy like McDuffie, I mean, I don't know where you're going to get uh, as much of a ground attack offense as what he got there in Buffalo, uh, you know, a thousand yards, but you know, everyone's entitled. You don't know what happened in that building and, and um, you know, the opportunity to move on up and, and uh, potentially to see what, awaits um you know recruited by the previous coaching staff that was there and you know obviously uh, off the top of my head Kansas would jump to jump in my mind as a potential transfer location for him I, I tend to think that Buffalo though at the running back position it's kind of like the 2000s uh Mike Shanahan uh, Denver Broncos, you know, where they went Terrell Davis and then they're going uh, Orlandis Gary and, you know, just these random running backs are able to get a thousand yards, um, you know, 12 games obviously makes it harder at the college level, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if this is kind of just something where, Hey, next man up, we're going to plug and play and they have another big running back season. Yeah, that, that's a very fair point. They're very much like Wisconsin in that regard, where it's not so much about the running back. It's about the strength of the offensive line. And, you know, you can put anyone, you know, I think maybe me and you could, could probably run for a couple hundred yards behind that offensive line over the course of the season. But, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because you know, there definitely is kind of a, a, a next man up mentality, if you will. Ron Cook Jr. Uh, appears to be uh, the, the incumbent starter now. Uh, with uh, with McDuffie gone, Ron Cook Jr. has been an All Mac uh, two time selection as a kick return specialist, and uh, he did have 440 rushing yards last year on 88 attempts. So it's not as if this is a guy who's never seen the field or never touched the ball. I mean, this is a guy who can have an impact and has you know played well uh, for the Bulls over the last couple of seasons. So we'll see what this offense looks like come uh, come summer camp in August because as we just mentioned, they're, they're going to be replacing their quarterback, replacing their starting running back. Got some question marks on the offensive line. So we'll see what the bulls look like come September, but uh, Vansy, let's, let's close out the show here with a little bit of a, just a look ahead. You know, it's uh, we're about uh, just about five months away from, from football season. Basketball has just ended. So let's do a little look ahead here last month, or I guess about six weeks ago. Now the Mac released their uh, 2022 football schedule and I just wanted us to take a quick look at it together, give some initial reactions, some thoughts on what we think. So let's, I'll, I'll start with you here, Vanzi. Initial reactions, games you're most looking forward to. We'll start with the non-conference slate. Well, yeah. Um, so one thing that's, that's kind of odd about the non-conference slate at, and, uh, you know, you look at uh, up and down the schedules. And one of the things that jump, jumped out at me is September 10th, Western Michigan plays ball state. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking non-conference, but that's a weird scheduling quirk, like, you know, a conference game, two good conference teams, you know, potentially going against each other week two. I thought that was very odd, but um, for me, some of the big uh, other, other non-conference games, you know, I, I like the home games. Yeah. Western Michigan is going to host Pitt. That's going to be, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Kenny Pickett, less Pitt. Um, NIU is going to host Vanderbilt, you know, um, Miami is going to play at the, the Bengals stadium, Paul Brown stadium and their rivalry against Cincinnati. 
Um, you know, and then other, and then, uh, other than that, some other ones that kind of jump out, you know, Toledo at Ohio state, you get those games, Western Michigan. Now that's going to be on a Friday. Western Michigan travels to Michigan state on a Friday. Those are fun to go to, um, up there, but also you got Peyton Thorne, who's the starting quarterback for Michigan state. And you have his dad, Jeff Thorne, who is now the offensive coordinator for Western Michigan. Yeah. You know, that, that's very odd. And I, I just got to warn everybody, I have a feeling that the BTN television crew, they're already calling up, uh, you know, the Thorne family to see if they got any of those half and half jerseys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The TV cameras love to find those. Um, also, though, how about this? Central Michigan travels to Oklahoma State. Yeah, is Oklahoma State like you know? I I thought that would be one that would just be off the schedule. You know, that's you know, I mean, that's something there. Um, you know, Marshall, Marshall plays at Bowling Green. Yep, Bowling Green, Bowling Green goes out to the Rose Bowl. You know, the the Bowling Green Falcons will play with the San Gabriel Mountains behind them. That's pretty about that. So, yeah, those are the ones non-conference. I mean, and then you have some of the other, like the, the money grab games, Ohio at Penn State, um, Ball State at Tennessee, uh, Kent State, Washington, uh, Buffalo, uh, Maryland, Kent State trap. Kent State's doing their, their, you know, I mean, it's basically their, their non-conference schedule is like the Salvation Army bell ringers at the yeah, holiday. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look at this. You got Kent State at Washington. Kent State at Oklahoma, then then they host the Long Island University Sharks. So okay, you know you get the Sharks in there, and then you go on the road to the Georgia Bulldogs. I yeah. mean that is that's tough. I mean Dustin Crumb isn't walking through that door anymore. Yeah, yeah, a tough task for Colin Schley to start his career as the starting quarterback at Kent State. Yeah, I mean that was one of the other things I wanted to to talk about, and you you kind of you kind of mentioned it right there but we're talking about the toughest non-conference slates on here. My goodness. I don't think anybody in the country has a harder non-conference schedule than Kent state does. It seems to be that, that to be the case every year though, where they've come out and said their strategy every year in the non-conference is three guarantee games on the road against power five teams and one by game at home against an FCS squad. And they do it again this year, but my goodness, I don't recall even in these last couple of years as they've done that, I don't ever recall them playing against two teams like Oklahoma and Georgia, both who consistently, not only are they great programs, but I mean, these are programs consistently in the college football playoff. Georgia obviously coming off a national championship. So that's not an easy non-conference slate at all. I mean, you got a number of other Mac squads here with, with two games against power conference squads. I mean, Bowling Green, you mentioned the UCLA game. They also travel down to Starkville, take on Mississippi State. Akron plays Michigan State and uh, and Tennessee. Miami plays Kentucky and Northwestern, although I don't know. I, I, I would argue Northwestern is probably a winnable game for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely – there are some tough non-conference games here. A lot of opportunities for the MAC this year to get a potential win, a couple potential wins over the Power Five. What about in the in the conference portion of, of the season, Vansy? Um, any I obviously we have a lot of storied rivalries in the Mac, a lot of teams that do not like each other. Any games that you see here, anything that kind of jumps out at you that you have circled as appointment television for you? 
Uh, you know, I mean, just the, the Mac conference schedule, it is kind of what it is, you know, you know, you're going to get kind of the same games every year. So just kind of, when you think about it, you know, Toledo central Michigan jumps out at me, um, you know, like Western Michigan, Toledo, Western Michigan central, you know, those are your typical big games. Um, I, at this point, I I'm sure there's going to be some surprise in a conference. What team is that going to be? Uh, you know, the rivalry games are what gets me excited and, you know, Toledo Bowling Green and, you know, you just kind of start looking at it and you got the, the rivalry games. There's again, just so many of them, uh, in the matching portion of the schedule, which is, which is disappointing. I think it really takes away from some of those rivalry games, um, also ball state, uh, middle of the conference schedule, uh, they have UConn. Yeah. You know, UConn at home and, you know, I mean, that, talk about a winnable game, but, you know, just kind of a, a odd fit there to have UConn pop in there. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, they're interesting schedules. Um, you know, when you look at it, not really knowing what teams are who, you know, uh, like at this point, uh, you, man like northern illinois i think they they got some uh tough games that you know they host vanderbilt then they got this stretch here is kind of crazy for northern illinois host vanderbilt on the road at kentucky on the road at ball state then you host toledo yeah i mean that's that's a that's a tough stretch for them um you know eastern michigan goes western northern illinois ball state toledo that's that's tremendously tough um, you know, and it, it just so many, I mean, it just, I'm right now I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm looking, I mean, I'm at the Eastern home games and I'm looking at that schedule, you know, and I see homecoming against UMass and, and just looking at that schedule, I can already smell the tailgate, you know, <laughs> I can already, I can already smell swoop because that uniform doesn't get, you know, that mascot uniform doesn't get washed like it should. You know, so like, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's fun to think about. There's still a lot of off season left, though. I mean, yeah. you know, every week we're talking about a guy transferring, this guy transferring, you know, and and, and we're getting into the spring games. The spring games are going to be cool uh, because we're going to get a better picture of what teams have what. And, you know, we're just going to kind of get a little bit of an idea of a depth chart. Um, and we just I every time there's a spring game, spring practice, just hope that all the student athletes make it out of that period without an injury. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Definitely. That is one thing you never want to see in a spring game or spring practice uh, is someone getting a season ending injury. Yeah. You know, Vansy, I gotta, I, I am curious, uh, you know, I see some, some games on here that I have circled. I mean, I'm looking at October 8th uh, you got um, North, Toledo at Northern Illinois. I think that'll be a great game. I think central Michigan Toledo will be a great game. I'm curious to see how Northern Illinois looks this year. I'm curious to see how Kent State looks this year, replacing you. Obviously, you mentioned, hey, Dustin Crum ain't walking through that door. They're going to have to replace one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had. I'm also, you know, another team I'm curious to see this year. I'm really curious to see what Akron looks like under Joe Moorhead in, in year one. DJ Irons comes back. He's going presumptively the starting quarterback. You got some interesting power five transfers, some transfers in general onto that roster that uh, Joe Moorhead was able to bring in. You know, I'm not sitting here saying Akron's going to go to a bowl game or anything like that, but I think the Zips could be very much improved uh, after what we've seen the last couple of years uh, where, where they've, they've certainly been struggling a little bit. Uh, Vansy, 
Any final thoughts, any final words of wisdom for the people? Well, I don't know if it's wisdom, but I've been, I've been saying for a couple of years, um, I felt like uh, Bowling Green was going to take a step. Yeah. You know, I've been a big leftward guy. And, and I think Bowling Green, I think, you know, I, I just want to say this. I think, put it on the record, you know, they, they got a tough schedule. They got UCLA, they, they host Marshall, and they got Mississippi State. I think this is the year that Bowling Green, uh, I'll, 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 say, I'll say they get to a bowl. Bowling Green uh, gets okay. back. Up there. Good stuff. Yeah, that, I mean, last year, they, they last year at the beginning of the season, they made some serious progress. Seems, seems, things like seems like things fell apart a little bit there towards the end of the year, but the defense was much improved. We'll see if they can get things figured out on offense, because I'm right there with you. I've, I've been waiting for them to take a step these last couple of years. I thought that last year was going to be the year. It seemed like it might there for a few weeks, but uh, ended up, you know, some offensive struggles kind of derailed their season there in the second half. Anyway, folks, that'll wrap it up for us here tonight, episode 91 of The Bandwagon. We'll slowly reintroduce some football talk here uh, as as offseason ramps up. We get closer to, uh, you know, get past the spring games and closer to summer camp. Thank you for stopping by, as always, this week, folks. He is Zach Manuendi. I am Zach Follador. This has been episode 91 of The Bandwagon. We'll see you all back here next Friday.